I've been super lucky in my short career in entertainment that looking through my work history, I'm like, everyone who's hired me has been a woman. <laughs> and I'm so grateful for that. And I don't think it's a coincidence, right? Like I think I'm lucky to be benefiting from women having paved the way. And then on top of that, realizing like, oh yeah, and then we can actively lift each other up. That's Sierra Katow, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Hey guys, I'm your host, Kara Duffy, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast, where I invite my favorite humans, the awesome, the up to something, and the extraordinary to come and share their story. I hope that you'll be left entertained, inspired, and moved to take action towards living your most powerful life. Sierra Katow is a stand-up comic, writer, podcast producer, and host of her own podcast, Stay Positive. She started in comedy at 16, then went on to Harvard to study computer science, then returned back to LA where she started in comedy writing. On this episode, we talk about how she started in comedy, who she admires, ranging from her parents to Whoopi Goldberg and so many awesome people in between, how she manages the random comments she gets as a female Asian comic, and what her process is to make herself feel more brave and confident when she needs to. All that and so much more coming up, but first. Being an entrepreneur or a small business owner is hard. But the good news is it's much easier when you have a coach and a community. The Powerful Ladies online community gives you both. It's where powerful ladies and powerful entrepreneurs from around the world discover clarity, produce results, and experience success at new levels. Because together we thrive. As a member, you get access to master a new skill for business every month, network, brainstorm, and collaborate with like-minded women, get access to Powerful Ladies events, our library, resources, and more. Participate in group coaching and workshops led by a multipreneur business coach. And you get the accountability and inspiration to stay on track and make it happen. Join today at thepowerfulladies.com. Well, welcome so much to the Powerful Ladies podcast. Hey, good to be here. I'm very excited. Me too. Uh, Jordan recommended you because she knows what a powerful lady you are working uh, on some of the podcasts that she does. So let's begin by telling the audience who you are and what you're up to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I know Jordan from uh, the podcast Query with Cameron Esposito, which is a podcast that I produce. And Jordan is our audio engineer and Cameron Esposito is the host. Um, and yeah, it's sort of fun. I like know her in that capacity and she's amazing. And um, I guess outside of podcasting, I do stand up comedy. So that's kind of how I met Cameron, who's the host of that podcast. And I do TV writing, mainly comedy writing. And um, I host my own podcast called Stay Positive. <laughs> which is, you know, it's a pun. It's fun. Um, And yeah, and so that's kind of like where I come from. Awesome. How did you, how did you meet Cameron? Yeah, so I got to meet her, I think, kind of my first job in LA doing entertainment was working as the writer's assistant for her show that was called Take My Wife. It was on CISO, which then, then it, I don't know, that disappeared, you know, as many of these platforms do, but it's, I think, available on Stars still. So, you know, it made it onto a platform somewhere. Um, but yeah, so that was really cool. Uh, I think, you know, I owe her a lot. I think you always 
know, going into an industry, you're kind of at the mercy of like, if people are willing to give you that chance, and especially in entertainment, where it does feel kind of like almost an apprenticeship-based situation sometimes. Um, And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, so then basically I worked for her uh, in that capacity in a writer's room, and that was like my first kind of writer entertainment um, real job. So, yeah, and then from there I helped her with the podcast when that uh, went Mm -hmm. off the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you from L.A. originally? You know, I am. So that's kind of like how I got into stand-up comedy. I grew up – in um, sort of Northeast LA, so a little outside of actual Los Angeles. But um, yeah, and my family has been here for a long time, so mm-hmm. it's kind of always been home. Um, and then I kind of knew I wanted to do comedy, I guess. I just thought stand-up was like a fun way to get into it. So I started when I was like 16, I would go to the comedy clubs and, you know, they'd make you stand outside because it's not legal for you to be inside, I guess, unless you're on stage. So yeah, so that was kind of like how I started and all that. And I think it helped, um, yeah, being from here because it's, you know, a drive away. Granted, stand-up is mm-hmm. in pretty much every city now. So, um, but it was like encouraging, I think, to know that like, oh, just down the street, there's the comedy store or whatever. Not down the street. It was quite a drive, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> of all the things that um, a little girl dreams of, how did you end up doing improv or sorry, doing comedy and doing yeah. stand up of all things? Yeah, um, I think I always, I don't know, I always loved laughter, like laughing. I think I was lucky to grow up in a family where I think we valued humor. And I, I remember like my grandpa, my mom's dad was like super funny. And so we always knew, like, oh yeah, if you crack a joke, like, you know, it lightens the mood, it makes family stuff a lot easier. And um, I didn't really know stand-up comedy was a job. I mean, who does, mm-hmm. right? I don't even know if it still is. No. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I remember watching like Ellen DeGeneres on television and being like, oh, interesting. So she talked for an hour and there are a lot of jokes and apparently you could just do that. So I think it was a cool way to you know see that you can just be funny and you don't have to really do anything else really you just kind of talk and be funny and that's mm-hmm. stand up <laughs> and to start at such such a young age i mean um everyone is like going to i'm sure to like sports or other activities mm-hmm. and um piano lessons or dance or you know basketball and you're like well i'm gonna go and wait until i'm allowed into the comedy club for <laughs> a couple hours right like how did you get the confidence that you could do it or that like it's like i feel like comedy is such a there's so much bravery, especially when you're starting because, you know, you hope people laugh and you don't know. So like, what was that like when you're starting and how has that changed to where you're at now? Yeah. Oh, um, I mean, to be fair, I did also play basketball. So, you know, I clearly had a future there. Um, I'm still Mm -hmm. five foot one and then I was (laughs) definitely under four feet. But anyway, Mm -hmm. uh, I think, yeah, it was like a fun thing. I think that, I always liked, um, I did a lot of like student government as a kid. So I always had to Mm -hmm. give speeches and I liked the ability to like talk to a lot of people at once. And I knew that humor, you know, could help get those votes and all that fun stuff. So so I think it was kind of like, it wasn't too far from maybe what I was kind of doing. And uh, because it was also kind of separate from my school life, it didn't feel like the stakes were that high. You know, you Mm -hmm. can, and still today, like if you go to an open mic 
or you go perform and maybe your day job is something completely different, you really don't have to tell anyone. You know, you could just go, oh, oops, I bombed for three minutes. Didn't happen. Sorry. You know, like you, you just, I think I definitely like the anonymity that I had at the beginning too. And, and still, you know, so I think it wasn't as scary as it sounds, you know? I mean, of course, if you're mm-hmm. performing in front of all your closest family friends and, and your mom and dad or something, then it's going to be a little different. Um, but if you just go and do it, I think I felt like it was, you know, starting fresh and it didn't feel mm-hmm. like a big, scary thing. And did you just show up and say, it's, you know, an open mic night and I want a slot? Or did you have to, you know, make connections at the different comedy mm-hmm. clubs to, especially being underage, like to let you perform? You know, I think for the most part, you can just show up. I think the underage thing, you know, maybe becomes a problem at some of the bigger clubs, which of course, then you kind of learn, okay, obviously I can't go in, but they have, I think, enough underage like aspiring comics where they figure out that system. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes I would be out there alone, but sometimes there'd be like one other younger, you know, comic who I could kind of commiserate with. And then we'd both go in when we, when our time was, you know, happening. Um, But yeah, I think Mm -hmm. the great thing about open mics and about comedy stand-up specifically is it doesn't feel like it's as um, gatekeeper-y as a lot of other uh, entertainment things. And so as a result, yeah, you don't really have to know anyone. I mean, that also turns it into a just mayhem of randos, you know? Um, yeah. So that's the downside. But yeah, I think it was cool. And I liked the DIY aspect of like, yeah, just go and do it. And the only person stopping you is you. And, you know, of course, you got to be funny. But um, mm-hmm. generally speaking, it's not like, oh, I know a guy who can get me into this open mic, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how did you make the leap from, you know, from doing comedy to writing and then to podcasting? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think they're all kind of related. So mm-hmm. it never felt like a big pivot or anything big. But I um, I knew kind of from doing stand-up and a lot of stand-ups do eventually maybe find work in TV writing and things like that. And it feels like another way to be funny um, mm-hmm. and podcasting, of course. So I kind of, uh, when I was in you know, first starting out stand-up, I kind of knew, okay, maybe how do I get into TV writing or entertainment? I eventually went to Harvard and went into the Harvard Lampoon, which was like a creepy institution (laughs) of, you know, mainly, uh, you know, I don't know. There's a long history, obviously, of comedy Mm -hmm. writers going into the Lampoon and then writing for television. That has changed a lot because obviously I think there's sort of this um, lore of, oh, you go and work for the Lampoon and then you go and write for the Simpsons and then you're set for life, which is, of course, that worked for maybe, you know, a group of white males in the 70s and they're still there, which is, mm-hmm. of course, how it works. And then, and then you know, since then, I think the, um, I think people are learning about the fact that like, you know, getting into into entertainment needs to be democratized a little bit more and like stuff like that. But um, at the time, that seemed like a pretty, you know, exciting path. And so I worked really hard to go through that process. And then Mm -hmm. from there, you know, it wasn't all quite clear because I don't think it's, you know, it's still, I think it was a humor magazine mainly with Lampoon and I did a lot of drawing for it. And, you know, I was still doing stand-up, so it kind of was like, okay, I guess I'm kind of learning these different ways to be funny still. Um, but I think from there, I was surrounded by a lot of other 
young people and students who were interested in the same, oh, maybe we could, you know, write for TV one day. So I think that's what helped is a sense of mm-hmm. like, you know, I was I was a computer science major. So I, as many like career things were available of like, oh, hey, maybe you could get into this program and then you go work for a big tech company and yada, yada. That doesn't really exist for comedy. Um, so mm-hmm. I think, you know, I had the luxury and privilege of living, uh, having grown up in LA, so I moved back home out here and sort of used my stand-up comedy to meet people and then mm-hmm. figure out from there how to write for TV. And I started, of course, writer's assistant, sort of in these assistant capacities, which people say is a good way to, you know, move your way up and since then have been able to write. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, I think... I've seen people do it different ways too. So so yeah, I guess that was kind of like looking back, I'm like, okay, I guess I kind of at least was able to go in that path. And then mm-hmm. here we are. And I think podcasting is like the opposite almost where you can do it yourself in a way, you know, of course it can't, there's certain quality audio levels at which you can do it yourself. But I think it, it just really appealed to sort of the entrepreneurial spirit of like, hey, yeah, just like no one can tell you you can't do this open mic. No one can tell you you can't do this podcast. If you want to be a big movie star, yes, lots of people can tell you you can't be that. But <laughs> I think it was like a cool way to still do comedy without waiting for somebody to tell me I can Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. Is there a show out uh, right now that would be like you would be a dream show for you to write on? Sure. Um, you know what is weird is like okay, definitely. I think I would love to write for like show a show I'm a fan of. I love like Succession. Mm-hmm. I think it's just like a really oh, funny yeah. show too. On top mm-hmm. of being like a riveting like drama, family drama. Um, so maybe that. But I think a lot of like especially being a writer now is writing your own projects and then, Mm -hmm. you know, making it essentially the show that you want to see too. And so, you know, I have a couple projects that like you write a pilot, like the first episode of your series. And so, you know, sending those around, you have to, again, wait for somebody to tell you, yes, we're making this. Mm -hmm. Um, But if that could happen, that would be great. And a lot of them are, you know, very autobiographical and um, Mm -hmm. kind of like the sort of more extreme version of yourself. So in the way that I guess like Curb Your Enthusiasm is like an extreme version of Larry David, so they say or whatever. Yeah. Um, That's sort of, I think, a lot of comedians' dreams. Um, But yeah, something Mm -hmm. I share for sure. I think a huge part of doing this is, you know, representation. And I think, you know, I grew up with very little uh, Asian American representation, granted more than uh, years ago, right? So yeah. And I think that's become really exciting in the past few years. So I think it's always about, you know, trying to write your story and something about like your particular perspective. And so that would be Mm -hmm. the dream. But yeah. (laughs) I can only imagine how many comedy bits can come out of Harvard and being a, you know, computer science major and like to be sitting in those classes already with the the comedic perspective (laughs) <laughs> and watching some of this happen before you were like, does no one else see this right now? Like this is its own show. <laughs> sure. Yeah. A lot, a lot to come out of that environment. I think also the, mm-hmm. you know, just the sort of way in which that place was very like everyone's insane and type A. But then at the same time, like the whole world is like that. I think the more mm-hmm. years that I have 
away from that, you know, environment. It's just like, I think we all turned into that. <laughs> We're just, everyone's very, uh, you know, go-gettery and it's hilarious because, mm-hmm. you know, here we are now also just stuck inside. So it's just like seeing all of us unravel <laughs> slowly. <laughs> As we're trying to like do our regular lifestyles. (laughs) Yes. How has being in quarantine affected you personally? Yeah. um, I mean, I feel extremely lucky. Uh, I like have a place and I am still, I'm writing for like an animated show right now. So that's still going. And it's kind of one of the Mm -hmm. only things that are still allowed to keep production going because it's, you know, you could draw alone. Um, and yeah. yeah, so that's been uh, all over Zoom, which is the new writer's room. And then a lot of, I guess, a lot of stand-up shows have turned into a Zoom show. Mm-hmm. So I actually just ordered a microphone that's like a stand and everything, which is so embarrassing. It's like, I no. just, I guess I miss the microphone stand. <laughs> but no, it's, uh, you know, it's, it could come in handy if I'm doing another one of these Zoom shows and I want to, you know, make it feel like more of a stand-up show. But um, mm-hmm. so those have happened, and they're not the best, but, uh, you know, we're learning. You'll have, like, somebody in the Zoom grid, like, start talking to their roommate or something, and then, like, every, like it's, <laughs> it's like heckling, but it's just in a different zone. Mm-hmm. It's so strange. Um, yeah, because I guess you so want to leave. You don't want to mute them because you want to hear them laughing, but you also don't right. want them to talk. So you're like, hmm, to mute or not mute? Exactly. Yeah. It's it's strategic. I think you have to like find your designated laughers and then meet everyone else, apparently. <laughs> yes. um, that's a strategy. Mm-hmm. You're planting a few laughers you know will laugh into yes. the Zooms to get everyone else going. Yeah, that's smart. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's life. You know, you just got to find your designated uh, support and mm-hmm. put it all in them. Yes. I, I appreciate the strategy to the Zoom because when um, we recorded with Cameron, we were talking about her going over to Zoom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she's like, mm, I don't know. I don't know. And to me, I think it's, I, and I guess mostly what I do on Zoom is much more like lecture or discussion guiding base. Cool. So it's different. Half the time I'm talking, I'm like, I don't know if anyone's listening. I just keep going <laughs> and we'll see what happens at the Q&A. Um, but yeah, to, to be... I've never been in a situation where I'm like really hoping that people are interactive that isn't live either. So right. to just be like throwing out jokes and being like, where did it go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't, it's it's hard to know if it's you or if it's the technology. I like to blame the technology to say, I know I'm hilarious. Uh, just <laughs> everybody's laughing, but they're all muted. It's probably what's going on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think people will be most surprised about? Um, either in podcasting or in comedy that people just don't know is happening that you experience on a regular basis? Oh, interesting. Um, Like in quarantine or just generally? We could have an answer for in and out of quarantine if you had enough answers. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess like generally and and something I've discovered while in quarantine is I think like everybody, like there's so many funny people out there. And I think people, you know, we get our, uh, if you're just kind of a comedy fan, but you're not like super plugged in, it might be you check Netflix and you look at all those specials. Maybe you're on YouTube Mm -hmm. a lot and YouTube is a great place where like a lot of you know, up and coming comedians can get their videos up and stuff, but I don't know. And then I'm, I'm on like, I'm watching TikToks now and I feel like I'm like, wow, there's like some really funny people out there just like 
out in the world. I even watch like this um, Japanese reality show called Terrace House, which is really popular on Netflix. And mm -hmm. there, there's like, you know, it's all subtitles and I, I don't understand Japanese, so I'm just reading it. But like, it's hilarious. And those comedians, it, it does translate in a way that I'm, mm -hmm. I guess I'm surprised. I'm probably so sheltered because I just lived in the US and I really just expected comedy to be local and cultural and like this and that. But I guess I'm learning and maybe people already know this, but that just, it's very universal, more universal than we think, even though some things may not translate. And like a lot of people are funny and it's not mm -hmm. reserved for like the few chosen ones who get their Netflix thing or their HBO special. It's like really something that I think everyone's kind of tuning into now that we, you know, we kind of need humor, I think right now more than, mm -hmm. <laughs> more than maybe a few years ago. Um, and so maybe that's why I, it's surfacing more, but mm -hmm. yeah. Um, sorry, I've, we've been recording podcasts all day. So my, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Get, my get my makeshift stool is uh, really getting to the point where it's like, how much longer is the stay oh, going wow. on? I'm, I, yeah, lots of respect for using a stool. I feel like that's it's yeah. the toughest of the seating arrangements. Yes, yes, it's <laughs> mostly based on having to make it up in <laughs> in the bedroom in a corner, right? Oh, right, right. Yes, it's like good. how do we make this all work right here? I, um, I like the backdrop though. Very good. Oh, thank uh, you. Very nice yes. display there. The bureau. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. It was that or staring at my back from the mirror back at. So that would have been a little Ooh. trippy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The infinite mirror thing. Yes. <laughs> infinite powerful ladies. Great. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you think of the, the words powerful and ladies, and when you think of it combined, what does it mean to you? And what does it make you think of? Ooh. Yeah. I mean, I think powerful and ladies. Okay. So Powerful ladies together for me. I mean, I I I did hear that you asked this question. On the podcast, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I had something prepared, but now I'm like, no. But I think it. I think I've been so lucky, and we talked about Cameron earlier, and like how that's how I met Jordan. I think, you mm -hmm. know, just um, I've been super lucky in my short career in entertainment and stuff that. Like honestly, looking through my work history, I'm like, everyone who's hired me has been a woman. <laughs> And I'm so grateful for that. And I don't think it's a coincidence, right? Like I think I'm lucky to be benefiting from women having paved the way. Uh, and then on top of that, realizing like, oh yeah, and then we can actively lift each other up. And, mm -hmm. um, and you know, and I think that a lot of it is is that. And a lot of it is like the, what I really get out of it too is like seeing women in powerful positions. And I think that's really valuable because, um, you know, from the get go, it's like, I get to see Cameron running her own show. I get to see all these other folks like being in head writer positions or in producer positions. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think what that's been really cool is to realize that like, you know, you can demand things that are good for the project and you don't have to worry about, the sort of likability of it, which I think has been a thing mm -hmm. that I really struggle with a lot. And I think it's, you know, and I think it also being a comedian, you're constantly like, do people like me? Are they laughing on the Zoom? You know, are they, are they thinking that I'm a nice person? And it's like too much, right? It's too much to think about. And I think it's been really nice seeing women like not worry about that, just knowing that, okay, I can get to a place where that's not the utmost importance because mm -hmm. you're here to get the job done or you're here to like make a good project happen or whatever other purpose there is. Right. And then, yeah. And then also like, 
I, I this thing that kind of came up with I think tech and stuff is that uh, I remember hearing that like in coding. Mm-hmm. girls like girls coding less or whatever school or whatever like the girls would tend to maybe ask for help but when they did they would have like a blank screen meaning like they had deleted all their code so they wanted to rather have nothing available to be corrected mm-hmm. um, instead of being like here's the code I wrote didn't work uh can you help me so I think that was like a great metaphor for like ah oh, yes I totally struggle with the whole perfection thing, you know, we're trying to display Mm -hmm. this, like, we got it together, you know, which is, like, enhanced by social media. And I think it's been really valuable seeing powerful ladies also be comfortable in their imperfection and, yeah, and then, you know, go from there. And I think that's, like, what, uh, yeah, perfection is not necessarily powerful. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so those things. (laughs) Awesome. Um, you know, obviously with so much changing and going on, like do you, how do you feel comedy in particular is changing for the better and how do you wish it was changing faster? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it's definitely, what I like about it is I think there's um, a lot of introducing your own personal into your comedy, which I think was always mm-hmm. the case to some degree, but I think it's yep. <clears throat> definitely more uh, emphasized more. And like people are looking for that. Um, I remember like kind of when I was in college and thinking about comedy and working alongside other like comedy writing types, that there was a little bit of hesitance of like, okay, well, I don't know if I like bring up like race here you know what I mean like there's sort of like a weird thing where I needed to be neutral or as Mm -hmm. the voice whatever you have to have a neutral voice but neutral just means what straight white man I don't know what does that mean (laughs) um so I think it's been really good moving towards like okay you have to introduce your voice and who you are Mm -hmm. and that's like makes it funnier honestly because the more specific the better it is the more universal it is the funnier it is um so that's been really cool um but yeah I mean I think there's weird stuff still going on, you know. I think I think people um, are just it's a it's a uh, whatever it's a broader commentary on what's going on. But I think you know people are still like oh so tired of this, and then they kind of recede into their factions. So I think there are a lot of comedic factions happening. Um, mm-hmm. I recall when like the whole uh, so oh, what's his name? Okay, I'm glad I forgot his name because it's not important. But the SNL. Uh, cast member who was cast and then it was surfaced that in his podcast he said like Asian racial slurs uh, against Chinese people and Chinatown in New York or Philadelphia and he essentially um, you know was also added to Saturday Night Live right when the first Asian cast member or full Asian cast member was added Bo and Yang and so yeah there's like a big pushback obviously because it was like pretty bad like it's like someone going Mm -hmm. you know you find in some bad racial slurs on someone's podcast. So he was not tired. And then, um, you know, and then kind of that sort of thing turned into, oh, and now he has a huge following because everybody's mm-hmm. like, freedom of speech, you should, you're, I guess, entitled to be on SNL if you say racial slurs. Um, so anyway, yeah, that was um, mm-hmm. an interesting awakening because it was very much, you know, in the community that I'm tapped into, but seeing that like, okay, wow, there is still like a huge backing behind something that I wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. be behind, which means there are, are a lot of different growing factions of comedy. So I would hope that there would be a way to like merge all of these in some way, in a way that 
goes towards where we want to be headed. But, you know, I, I think that's a larger question about the state of <laughs> the union. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a little shouldn't be or whatever, not moving as fast as we'd hope, you know? Yeah. For uh, someone who hasn't heard your comedy before, how would you describe kind of your your vibe of comedy that you, you share with the, the world? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, still figuring it out, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. it, it, it does, I, I love to talk about personal stuff, as I've said, you know, I think that makes yeah. it more powerful but also I I get worried about plagiarism so I just feel like if you're talking about something that happened to you like nobody can really accuse you of that um and I also you know I think I've been told I'm kind of more I'm not like uh I'm a little bit more low energy comedy maybe a little bit more about uh saying kind of little jokes quietly <laughs> um, rather than, you know, I, I, I admire and love physical comedy, but I think it's very hard. So it's not where I gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, and then, you know, the more I think we, the more I'm learning about it, I think I, I like the idea of also having something to say and having like an underlying thing you're trying to get through to the audience. Um, mm-hmm. I do, I remember I did a show in Wisconsin in the small town where, um, one of my friends is from and we did like a big show for like basically this entire like a lot of this small town and they had like a gun raffle before like it was very different from like what I know yeah they were <laughs> yeah they had like rifles in the back like yeah and so then pick up your rifle and then watch this comedy <laughs> show I was like okay well that puts the pressure on we know we gotta please um and you know and it was kind of one of those things where I was trying to get through to them uh, you know, Asians, they're just like you. <laughs> um, no, but it was, you know, and they, they laughed. It was really fun. I think afterward, there were still some things where they would be like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, we harvest a lot of ginseng root here. And I'd be like, oh, okay. No. Oh, I mean, I've had Arizona iced tea, so I know what you're talking about. But it was like very strange. Um, and then I went back a second year and I think I called them out on that. Like the fact that they were kind of like talking to me about some weird Asian thing that like they assumed I would know. And they laughed at that. And so I don't know. I thought it was an interesting experiment where I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. certainly sometimes you can't totally be on the same page. But um, I think we're becoming more aware of mm-hmm. what we're doing. And if I can break through that with comedy, that's fun. Mm-hmm. And the only way I know how to communicate, probably. So it works. Yes. <laughs> so you're you're on a, you're producing Cameron's podcast now, and yes. you have your own. What made you want to start your own podcast? Oh, I mean, definitely. You know, watching Cameron, it's been so fun. I mean, she's such a natural at hosting. So there was sort of this thing where it's like, well, of course it's going to be good every time. You know, <laughs> when you watch her do it, and you got Jordan, and you know, and I think. Um, I had always been a fan of podcasts, but I think a lot of what I like about it is the, you know, sort of DIY aspect. And I think I just figured, you know what, it's a fun way. I could just talk to friends if I don't feel comfortable, you know, Mm -hmm. branching out too much yet. And um, it felt like a pretty easy way to, I guess, get started at least. Um, Not that Mm -hmm. podcasting is easy necessarily, but it is kind of like a good intro to just do it at like a low level. And then maybe I can build my way up. But also it's like Mm -hmm. a huge thing, I think, with 
entertainment and comedy that it's like you kind of feel like you have to be have you have to have something that you're working on or whatever and like you really don't <laughs> like you're you know the odds of you like oh I've got a movie coming out or like oh I have a tv show coming out like sure people are doing that all the time but not me you know it's definitely few and far between so I think it was like an awesome way to just have like an ongoing project to have so it feels like you know we get to control what we're making and putting out there um mm -hmm. And a big part of, like, I think stand-up, too, is, like, sometimes I'll film a thing and they'll put it on YouTube or whatever. And I don't really have control of, like, what bits that they decide to edit together and put out there. And yeah. then, you know, sometimes it could be, like, oh, yeah, I mean, I like that other joke better. Or, you know, they didn't – there's one where it's, like, they didn't mic the audience, so I really sound like I'm bombing, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure I wasn't. Like, so, you know, it's kind of just nice to have control over what content you're putting out there that mm -hmm. is you, but also, you know, with other people and such. So, yep. yeah. Um, when you look at the journey that you've had, uh, I don't know anyone, I don't know any women, especially who went to Harvard and are now comedians. Um, how did, how did that fit into your path? And um, what made you decide to go to school when you were already like getting into the comedy space when you were still in high school? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I was such a nerd and, you know, student uh, that there was going to be, like, I, I think I, I couldn't pass up the opportunity. But also, you know, I think there was such a, uh, there's actually such a comedy culture at Harvard mm -hmm. that um, that it's, there are a few others, you know, who came out of that, whether they're TV writers or comedians or performers. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it was, it was definitely like, you know, being the good student, being like, well, you know, at the end of the day, maybe I'll just work in tech and be good and then we'll be good. We'll put our heads down. We're going to just type the code and <laughs> get out of here. Um, but I did know, I think I, I just felt like I had seen my whole life going down one path, which was I learned how to code and <laughs> I enjoy it. And I guess like you know, when I, if I tell people I'm a computer science major, they stop asking questions <laughs> and they say, yep, good for you. And then I continue down this path that I could just see the next, you know, 10 years or whatever. And you're kind of like, I just felt a little trapped by that. Mm -hmm. And I like the unknown of doing something where you just really don't know what's going on. Like if I know what I'm doing for the next year, that's even a little scary now because, you know, I think there is most jobs in entertainment are like tops maybe of six months, you know, and even mm -hmm. that's long. Um, so I think there's just, yeah, I kind of just turned into this thing where, you know, I did enjoy being uh, at the student at the school and like all I learned there and all the people I met, of course, right? Like that's what everybody says about college experiences or the sort of young adult experiences. It's the people you meet and I'm forever grateful for that and everyone that I met like went on different paths and, and has like mm -hmm. a really different fire and it's really like incredible to watch, you know? But yeah, I think I just, yeah, I wanted to do something a little bit different and I was lucky and privileged enough where I could take that chance, you know, cause I know mm -hmm. that's a big deal. And I just, I also kind of felt this thing too, where I was like, you know, when I was younger, I think who made the most impact on me was like a lot of seeing people in comedy who made me laugh and um I felt like that was important work and mm -hmm. 
you know, as much as say my other path was tech or something, like I think that's also very important work and can be, but I don't know if I would have found myself in the right place. I think it would have been very mm -hmm. tempting to go down a path that was comfortable and make a lot of money and then you work for like a corporation that then upends the democracy. Um, <laughs> so then you kind of, so I just wouldn't want to like give myself that option, I guess. It mm -hmm. kind of felt like it might be um, dangerous. Yeah. And I think it's brave, right? To choose the path that could be versus the path that maybe people think should be. Um, because of, you know, culture or families or just what, you know, everyone else says makes the logical sense. There's so many people who do the, the should path and wake up one day and realize that it was never meant to be theirs. Sure. So to, to see that so early, I think is, um, is insightful for yourself and also just, you know, brave to choose like, nope, I'm going to go this path. Like, I don't know necessarily what it looks like. I don't know where it's going to go, but that's way more exciting than that one that I can see 25 years down the road. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to Cameron and um, Ellen, I believe you said earlier, like who else has really inspired you in the comedy space? Sure. Yeah. I mean, definitely growing up. Let's see. Who did I see early on? I know Amy Schumer was like mm -hmm. kind of, it was like before her sketch show and then that kind of hit and then it was like, oh, wow, hilarious. Um, Sarah Silverman, mm -hmm. uh, I guess, I think, yeah, who else at that time? Anthony Jeselnik. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just a lot of stand-up comedians, of course. And then more recently, I think like Ali Wong mm -hmm. kind of, you know, she'd been around for a while, but then with Netflix blew up and that's been really cool to see. And yeah, and then I think on like the TV comedy level, you know, um, sort of like Phoebe Waller-Bridge or Issa Rae mm -hmm. and people who are able to, you know, use stories and make you laugh that way and stuff. And so, yeah, all those, all those folks. So anyone really who, <laughs> anyone yes. who's been doing it has, mm -hmm. you know, we've kind of cross paths with or whatever like you you basically are always kind of I, I remember early on too it was like now so much is available to watch but early on it was a lot of like using like google video search to be like well, how can I find the dregs of Sarah yeah. Silverman's like stand-up <laughs> filmed on like somebody's random flip phone or something mm -hmm. and um yeah and that's just become more and more I guess of a thing um mm -hmm. and you know and then people who have kind of like personally been great too is like uh, Eliza Skinner um, hired me on my first staff writer job and she's a comedian who also writes a lot so it's kind of been cool to see that you know somebody who's been able to do mm -hmm. both and um, and yeah I guess <laughs> yeah I mean basically anyone who's made it has probably been an influence mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and who outside of comedy do you do you admire and has inspired you oh wow um well, gosh. Well, I love that you guys are sisters because <laughs> it just makes me so happy. And um, and I, you know, I owe so much to my older sister and uh, Melissa. Shout out. Uh, she, you know, I, she was like five and a half years older, so she kind of was like this more maternal figure for a long time. Mm -hmm. I looked up to, and she still kind of is because I think she just like has hit so many life milestones and like feels like a together adult. Um, so, you know, despite not being that old, but it's like, yeah, I think, you know, I owe a lot to my sister and my parents 
who um, were very actually supportive through all the craziness, you know? I mean, I think a lot of convincing was done, but I think I was lucky that mm-hmm. they themselves liked comedy, you know? There was, like, a lot of, oh, yeah, we used to go on dates at the Laugh Factory. Like, yeah. oh, weird, don't tell me that, no. But it was helpful. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, and then um, I, I guess, like, outside of comedy, you know, I've always been a big... I think I'm noticing now, but I was very, uh, I, I watch a lot of The View, which is like hilarious because mm-hmm. um, it sounds super weird, I think, <laughs> but it's like great. I think it's like a great way to get your news from like women and people who aren't going to, you mm-hmm. know, inflame things too much, hopefully. Um, but a big Whoopi Goldberg fan, so that's probably why. So I think just uh, people who kind of blaze their own trails in a field that maybe isn't normally you know, mm-hmm. there for them kind of thing is really cool. Um, so yeah, my family and Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> I mean, this is the best list I've ever heard. We've got Cameron, Ellen, Whoopi Goldberg, and your family. Yeah, yeah, basically. It's, it's, I know. think it's it's fully rounded out. You've yeah, got yeah. a little the bit of everything four. in that mix. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically like how cool would it be to have them as like godmothers, right? Too much to handle, you know. Uh-huh. Couldn't live yeah. up to it, but yeah, that'd be great. Well, I hope one day you get to have all three of them on. Well, three being Cameron, Ellen, and Whoopi, all on your podcast <laughs> right. at the same time. Oh, sure. I would yeah, love to see that panel happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you for. Yeah, that's a great idea. I hadn't <laughs> thought of that before, but I'm gonna send those okay. emails. Yes, you, you never know what's possible, right, Jordan? Yes. <laughs> Um, so prior to, um, you know, everything COVID-19, what were your goals for 2020 and what were you kind of going after? And then how has that changed? Uh, yes. Well, definitely, you know, I wanted to do a, uh, a rave with all the sweatiest people. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, for COVID-19, yeah, I think my goals for 2020, I mean, a lot were stand-up related, obviously, mm-hmm. which kind of feels halted, but, you know, it's... It's figuring itself out in other ways. But, um, but you know, I, I always have been wanting to do, like, a late-night set um, on a show with the live audience kind of thing. Um, yeah. I I did a, like, I did one for Last Call with Carson Daly, which is, like, the old, like, it used, now it's Lily yeah. Singh, which is dope because she's so funny. But, um, but it was, like, hilarious because I think we filmed it and my parents came to the taping and they, like, got, edited into like everyone's like you know how when you do a comedy show and then you show the audience laughing and they were like another one they like featured them very heavily they're like this middle-aged Asian couple finds this funny I love it um (laughs) but yeah so so that one was like does it it, that one was like a late night set I guess but you know Mm -hmm. it's not as the the, like Conan or whatever the the one where you're front facing and everything so that's always been a goal of mine um but yeah I mean I think I wanted to do a lot more with my own writing. And I think like there are a couple projects I worked on with writing partners that I had been, you know, we had been pitching around, which is cool. But I think I, you know, wanted to be able to focus on something where I could do it myself a little bit. Um, Not so much in the like, oh, me, 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 but more of the like, you know, I think they were definitely the shepherds of teaching me how to do certain things like story and how to write this way and this and that. And that was like such a great um, sort of crash course in writing. Mm-hmm. And so I think I was hoping to like apply that. And I think, you know, we still can, yes. given that we can write alone all day if we want to. Um, so, so yeah, I think something along the lines of like writing my own script um, 
using that those skills because I guess I've written before but you know you read your old stuff and you're just like who is this this is so yeah. embarrassing um and and then yeah on top of that I guess like continuing to do more with my own um podcast but also kind of like branching out of that personality wise like I, I don't know I think I still struggle with um not being comfortable even podcasting or doing um, stand-up. You know, I get rusty if I haven't gone up in a while. And I think stage presence has always been like kind of the the harder thing for me. Whereas like, mm -hmm. you know, I can write a joke and that's fun. And I kind of have that and know my style. But I think a lot of, um, I admire a lot of comedians, like I said before, that are like physical comedians or ones who are a little bigger and louder. And I, I kind of think that's sort of a general like direction that I'm mm -hmm. interested in. Um, and I personally love where women's comedy is going. Yeah. Because, you know, there's so much, um, there's kind of like the greats and all the greats so far, you know, historically have been men and they have a very specific style and like perspective. And I'm like, there's so much more about life that is hilarious. Totally. So I'm yeah. glad. It's oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, I think that's like a huge superpower that we have. Like, mm -hmm. it's just not everything's been done already. So there's a lot to be covered. <laughs> so much. So much. Yeah. It's like, is it superpower or cheating? Maybe a little bit of both. And we're going to take <laughs> <Yes>. advantage. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we ask everyone on the podcast where they put themselves in the powerful lady scale. Zero, average everyday human. Ten, most powerful lady that you could imagine. And I ask people to rate themselves both for how they feel today um, and then also how they feel like on every average day. And I've realized recently that apparently I think that being on the podcast with us should make you feel extra, um, which hopefully it made you feel. So let's see, oh, where are you today yeah. and where are you at on average? <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think doing this with, uh, two powerful ladies and it's called powerful ladies. Uh, <laughs> yeah, today I feel, I mean, you know, I, I feel like I can't get too high because I do want to like get there eventually. And it's mm -hmm. like, well, if that's it, then where are we headed? Right. Um, so I think probably like a, probably like a five today. And then on average, probably like a six mm -hmm. or a five, <laughs> you know, we're, cause it's like, well, zero is every day. So it's not, it's not like a lump on a log. What is it? Bump on a log? Bump on a log. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah, zero is average. So yeah, maybe around there. Five and a six. <laughs> I like it. Um, when you look at what you do, because, I mean, comedy, of course, requires confidence, right, just to walk out onto that stage. And I think, you know, writing does as well. Podcasting does. What are some things that you do to get yourself into um, the confidence level you need to, like, walk out into the bright lights? Do you have a routine? Is there a song? Is there, like, do you phone a friend? What What's your routine to make sure that, you can get back into that place where you feel powerful. Oh, I, yeah, I don't know. Cause I don't really have like a routine. I think cause I, cause I think one of my techniques was like, oh, if I make it a little deal, so maybe that's a routine. If I make this not seem like a big deal to me, then like, I'm good, you know, <laughs> and that's like a kind of a bad tactic at the end of the day. But, but um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is like trying to physically, you know, maybe this is that power poses thing, but like to physically be like, not 
timid. And I think there's a lot of times when you're in a green room before the show or you're talking with people before the show. And I have maybe a tendency with people I don't know. I used to assume a position that was like maybe smaller. And I'm like, oh, just, yeah, thanks for having me, you know. Mm-hmm. And that also came from the fact that I was normally like sometimes the youngest or the least established in a room. Um But I think now it's like I'm learning. You're typically going into a room where no one has any preconception about you. So the only thing that they can learn about you is what you're presenting. So Mm -hmm. um, I just try to go in there and, you know, stand tall and be confident already so that when you go on stage, you're not starting from a place of like low, you know, status or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, a lot of it too, like I even noticed with shows I'm working on or something, the same sort of vibe is there that it's like, nobody really knows what role you are. We're all moving a thousand miles a minute. Like nobody can stop yeah. to be like, oh, so what, where, where are you on this hierarchy? And like, what mm-hmm. role do you play and what is your job? And so then I just was like, okay, I got to dress a little bit more, you know, established to look like maybe, hey, maybe, I don't know, maybe she's a producer. I don't know, you know, <laughs> like, it's like, you know, just, just kind of like give yourself a, not advantage, but almost just not to give yourself a disadvantage. Because I think sometimes I feel like I'm starting at a disadvantage if I'm looking like this. So I need to just kind of, you know, maybe you put on a blazer. Whoa, you know, didn't see that coming. So (laughs) that helps. (laughs) Yeah. I always go back to this one thing too, just the, um, uh, there's like some statistic about laughing and how you're, you know, 30% more likely to laugh if someone's like laughing next to you. So that's like a big mentality with comedy clubs, like put everybody really Mm -hmm. close together, keep them kind of in uncomfortable seats. So they are like leaning forward and stuff like that. But I think it just shows that like, we're, you know, what we think it's not like in a vacuum. And Mm -hmm. so if somebody's like, yeah, that, that lady, she's definitely in charge. I like her voice. You know, she seems confident. Then the next guy, the next girl might be like, yeah, I, I agree, you know. So not that, you know, <laughs> you're trying to fool everyone. But I think that it is, you know, if just that little um, percentage is kind of subjective like that, it can be kind of fun to play with that and see how that can be helped. Yes. Well, as we're wrapping up today, what would you like everyone listening to know about you or words of advice that you have to share? Oh, gosh. Uh, (laughs) Words of advice. I mean, you know, it's, I think what I'm really um, thinking about recently is that, you know, community. I think that's like a funny buzzword that I keep hearing when I'm listening to books and, you know, hearing people talk and especially at this time. But I think especially Mm -hmm. what you guys have done with Powerful Ladies and like the fact that it's actually, you know, not just a podcast, but also like a network and a community. That's Mm -hmm. kind of like, I don't know, I think it's um, really helpful. And I always have to remind myself at least to like reach out to people and check in with people and um, think about this as not just me and not just I'm alone in this scary world or whatever. And so, yeah, I don't know. Just I think that's a big part of why I started a podcast too, because it kind of just gives the weird excuse of like, hey, want to talk for an hour, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and yes, it's allowed me to talk for an hour with a lot of people that maybe I would have otherwise had the opportunity to, or at least mm-hmm. like maybe would have had to do it over food and then you got to figure out a place or whatever, you know? And so I think it's very, um, it has been an ongoing theme that I'm constantly reminded of. It's just like, you know, reach out, be buddies. Um, not everyone is like 
I don't know, so busy that they don't want to be bothered, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of like important to remember at this fun time of isolation. <laughs> yeah, totally. And there's nothing, your whole day can change, you know, for the, for the better by just reaching out and talking to someone and calling an old friend. And um, I, it's hard, like as an entrepreneur, there's so many hours of the day that I feel I should be doing something that I didn't get off my to-do list yet. And to pause and go for a walk and either listen to an audiobook or to call a friend or listen to a, it's, you know, it's so great to use that time to connect and remember that there are humans out there and yeah, humans, humans, right? Like we forget <laughs> that there uh, are. Totally. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. So it's nice. So I think community is a great way to remind everyone to, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's it's tough because it's like the social media stuff. I get sucked into it where it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm liking this person's photo. So therefore, we're community. <laughs> but it's definitely not the case. Yeah. So remembering that as well. I love it. Well, thank you so much to being a yes to the Powerful Ladies yeah, podcast. Thank you for having me. It's such an of honor. Course. So fun. Thanks for everything you guys do. This is what the real hustle looks like. Working as a producer on one podcast while launching your own. Doing stand-up at night while working all day on your other projects. I love Sierra's position on the world needing community and comedy. It's true. We need comedy in the good times and the bad times. I'm glad a smart, powerful, and funny Sierra is leading that charge. To connect, support, and follow Sierra, you can find her on Instagram, at Sierra Catow and on YouTube, Sierra Catow. All the other ways you can find her and connect with her, including her website, are listed on thepowerfulladies.com forward slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Powerful Ladies podcast. There are so many ways you can get involved and get supported with fellow Powerful Ladies. First, subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies. Join the Powerful Ladies Thrive Collective. This is the place where Powerful Ladies connect, level up, and learn how to thrive in business and life. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube page. And of course, visit our website, thepowerfulladies.com. I'd like to thank our producer, composer, and audio engineer, Jordan Duffy. Without her, this wouldn't be possible. You can follow her on Instagram at Jordan K. Duffy. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love. <laughs>